Hello and welcome to another episode of the Advantage Sports Betting Podcast. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Friday, October 27th. And on today's show, we are reviewing the Week 8 NFL board, talking which games I have best bets on, and going through everything related to those bets. What is my unit exposure? Why did I place those bets? What are the relevant capping indicators that we use? Things like opening lines, early line movement, betting splits, any relevant betting trends, what the travel and rest situation are pertaining to these games for these particular teams. We will get into all of it, but before we get started, I have some typical housekeeping that I'd like to do and a quick content schedule update. So let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter, at FiddlesPicks, to sign up for my free gambling newsletter, fiddlespicks.substack.com. I could not recommend anything more if you do like my content. I am sending out a best bet email damn near every day now that we have NBA and NFL content rolling at the same time. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe to whatever podcast platform you are listening to the show on. My voice just cracked. And if you want to see my beautiful face in my orange tank top, then join the Fiddle Picks YouTube channel where you can watch this as a video. In terms of a quick content schedule update, that's what we need to quickly hit on. Now that the NBA and the NFL are happening simultaneously, I want to do a little bit of both in the content world. So here's the new approach. Tuesdays or Wednesdays, there's going to be an NBA show. Thursday morning, I will drop the full slate breakdown for the coming weeks. I was traveling last week. I had my brother's wedding last weekend. I got back early this week. I've just kind of been in a mess with terms of my schedule, my jet lag, my exhaustion level after such a social weekend. And so I was a little bit off schedule this week, but moving into next week, Tuesday or Wednesday, there's going to be an NBA show. Thursday, there's going to be a full slate NFL breakdown. Saturday, there's going to be a DFS show. That will be every single week. I will also be adding in other sporadic bonus podcasts. Like I will be on Adam King's Balls Deep podcast. I think it's a fucking fantastic name. Every Saturday, I think, as the season gets started in the NBA to discuss fantasy basketball streamers and things of that sort. So. A lot of great content to come. I am very excited that the association is back. I am an NBA guy through and through. You guys know my dog is named LeBron. And even though I bet and cap the NFL successfully, the NBA is what I love. So before I profess my love too much for the NBA, let's start talking about the NFL. And we're about to have a great bounce back week in week eight. I have been dominating the board in terms of CLV, in terms of obtaining closing line value on my bet tickets. Having bet tickets that exceed the implied probability of the odds that I pay for it. However, this year has fucking sucked in the concept of results have not matched my process. I continue to feel in the NFL. My process has been so spot on. I am beating the closing line north of 80% of my games. And yet my win rate is like literally hovering around 50% and I'm losing big money. So that's going to end this week because we find ourselves in great positions again. So let's go straight through it. I'm going to skip the Thursday game because the Thursday game already happened. I'm going to skip the games that I don't have bets on this week because I understand it's Friday afternoon when I'm recording and releasing this podcast. It's going to be harder for you guys to listen to all of it and get through all of it before the Sunday games kick off. So we're going to expedite this one. We're going to focus on only the games that I have bets on 
And then going back next week when we get into the week nine slate breakdown, I'll go through every game again because I'll have more time to do it and I'll be dropping it on Thursday morning. If there is a game that you want my information on, but I do not talk about it today, that is because I personally don't have a bet placed, but I could still happily provide you with the splits, the opening line, the indicators, and all the trends that I'm seeing and where my lean would be. So reach out to me, DM me, tweet at me, at Fiddles Picks, comment on a Substack post, and I will see it, and I will get back to you. So again, if you want to talk about Jets-Giants, let me know, and I'll and I will respond with the relevant information. But instead of talking about two New York teams, let's kick this off with two AFC East teams, the Patriots taking on the Miami Dolphins. Line opens Patriots plus 10. I've said it a gazillion times on this podcast. When you have a divisional game in the NFL, you tend to have closer games with less scoring. I played into the Patriots plus 10 and the under 47. Patriots plus 10 was for three quarters of a unit because the relevant importance of a plus 10 compared to the under 47 that I played, the 10 in football, in a football spread, is significantly more important than taking the 47 in either direction. The outcome combinations and consistencies and frequencies of these NFL numbers are much more frequent around spreads than totals. I'd say it's about two and a half times as important in most of these key number spots so that we know plus 10 is a key number in the NFL. Although we value the 47 in a total, we know that that spread uh, number contains more value. So for that reason, I put three quarters of a unit on the Patriots plus 10 and only half a unit on the under 47. Now, if we're going through the indicators, I would say we're seeing reverse line movement on that Patriots plus 10. I'm seeing in the splits right now as I pull them up. We have 63% of the total money on this game on the Miami Dolphins side. 55% of the bet tickets, 63% of the money. However, that line moved from Patriots plus 10 to Patriots plus 9.5. Now, why the fuck would that happen? We call this reverse line movement, and it's one of our favorite indicators to play into. And it's a time where the book is actually telling the betting public, give us more of your Miami money. You guys want the Miami side? We'll make it even better for you. We'll move it through a key number for you and give you a minus 9.5. That's a five-alarm red flag to avoid the Miami Dolphins side and play the road Patriots getting that plus 10 in that key number. Now, we also move over to the total. We see 52% of the bets, 82% of the money on the under. So with a handle that strong on one direction, we know it's very likely to go down, if anything. We also add in the caveat that you check the weather for this game right now. And where is it? There is supposed to be 15 mile per hour winds and a 50-50% chance of rain. So right around the threshold of where weather might make a really important impact in this game. It's also in Miami, where if it's above 82 degrees, we take that as relevant information as well. So expected 84 degrees of 50-50 chances rain and 15 mile per hour gusting winds. So 
Those are all near 82 degrees, near 15 mile per hour winds. Uh, and is it is it raining will tend towards an under, at least push the line down in, in and then whether it impacts or holds true for the live line is TBD. But it, rain will move a line down at least, and then you could contrarian play it back over. So if weather comes to be a factor in this game, I expect this line to move three or four points south. I also know that the Patriots are going to play this Miami team close. They always do, and I expect them to pick up right where they left off. It is an in-division game. They're coming off of a win. They seem to be looking a tiny bit better. Demario Douglas, I think that's his name, he's balling out. Um, Kendrick Bourne looking really good. Hunter Henry looking healthy again. And on the flip side, the Miami Dolphins are dealing with some injuries. Waddle has his back hurt. Tyreek is going to play with his hip problem. Mostert might not play. We'll see if Jeff Wilson is back up to speed. Devon Achan is on IR. So definitely injuries on the Miami side. Reverse line movement on the Patriots side. An under spot brewing. We correlate an under with the dog side because if there's less than 47 points total scored, it simply becomes harder for the Miami Dolphins to win by 10 or more. That's just common knowledge. There's less outcome combinations. The fuck's in my teeth? All right, that was weird. I had like a random crumb in my teeth. All right, gross. Uh, there's less outcome combinations on a game that's going to have lower scoring that allows Miami to win by 10 or 11 points and cover the spread. So there's correlated angles. Our exposure is relative to which numbers are more important. We are ahead or tied with all the lines. We have strong betting splits and betting indicators. Patriots plus 10 and the under 47 are two spots that I love in the one o'clock slate. Now let's go over to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Pittsburgh Steelers. Another topic that I talk about often on this podcast is rah-rah Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin as a home underdog is 18-5 and five in a betting trend. It's like set north of 73% against the spread. That's absurdly dominant in sports betting. However, even with this game and the Steelers opening as a plus 1.5 home dog, being right in a Stanford Wong teaser zone where you can push that up through the three, through the seven, and play it at 7.5, despite all that, Despite the Jaguars being the anti-sharp side after two games in London, a game home against the Colts, a quick road turnaround game against the Saints last week on Thursday Night Football, and now a road game to play against the terrible towels in Pittsburgh, it is another daunting spot for the Jaguars, yet the line moved to minus two. Now, there's sharp money actually coming in on Jacksonville, maybe because they have 10 days rest. Maybe because the tide has finally turned and the Sharps are like, this team's fucking good. But either way, I would normally lean towards playing home Tomlin. I would normally lean against playing against the Sharp side. So for those reasons, they're competing against each other in this game. I have no bets on the spread, but I do have a bet on the total. And I'm actually on the wrong side of this one. I have the over 41 and a half, and it has moved down to 41. Of course, we know 41 is the most important NFL total number. It is the most frequent totals outcome. So it does suck that I have half a unit on the over here, and I'm in the wrong spot. However, we are still seeing, you know, a large amount of the bets come in 
on this side. There's still 57% of the bets towards the over. So I'm hoping we get some more money and this pushes back up. If it goes back up to a 41.5 and I have this ticket at FanDuel, I actually might consider just cashing out equal value. But of course, if I have to accept any loss on a cash out, then my options are either hedge the other side and just play it the other way and don't accept the cash out loss, just accept the hedge loss, or let it ride and play into variance and not accept. You never, ever just accept the loss that a cash out's giving you. There's always a better option. And so for this game, I will not be doing that in any capacity. I plan to just let it ride and hope this one goes over. The New Orleans Saints opened as a plus 1.5 road dog against the Indianapolis Colts. I am fading the Colts relentlessly right now. Uh, I just think when teams have a chance to prepare for Gardner Minshew and they know a pocket quarterback who's less mobile is coming and they're not preparing for Anthony Richardson or Jalen Hurts like Minshew was last year, Minshew's backup numbers are so strong because he's such a stark difference from the starter. So when he comes in and he starts playing his game, he's going against a defense that has a week of preparation and tendencies to stop a quarterback who plays in a very different play style. When teams have a chance to prepare for Gardner Minshew, he kind of sucks. So I can't quit the Saints. You guys know I'm smacking all over them in the futures market. I keep playing them every fucking week. I played the under 40, 42 and a half, which I got the wrong side of. But I did play the plus 1.5 kind of in a big way. I, I hit it for three quarters of a unit and I put it in a teaser leg. We'll get to that soon. It was a Stanford Wong teaser leg. I thought the number was going under because I played the under 42 and a half. And I was correlating a side that I liked a situation going that I expected to go under and the ability to Stanford Wong teaser this. So if I could bring a number up to 7.5 while the total was coming down and expected to come down, maybe it was going to close at 41.5. It's just like the Patriots Dolphins example that I was talking about. It's harder to cover a large spread if the game is trending under. So I made the spread large. I moved it through the key numbers with the teaser feature and I expected it to come the other way. I still love the fact that I do have it in the teaser because the line's now at minus one, you could even consider teasing the Colt side at this point because you'll now push it up to the plus seven. Um, I really like the Saints in the spot. I think they're finally going to click and turn it around. I still have faith in Derek Carr. Maybe I'm an idiot. 45% of the bets, 76% of the money. It is a very, very, very clear, sharp side on the Saints. We've gotten two and a half points of movement on our side. We've moved through the one, which in the NFL is the sixth most common outcome in games. Of course, we care less about it in the NBA because you can't tie in the NBA, and it's the 11th most common outcome. In the NFL, you can tie in rare instances, and it's the sixth most common outcome. So the value of that number looms way larger in the NFL context, and therefore having that plus 1.5 on the Saints side for three quarters of a unit and then another three quarters of a unit in a teaser makes me feel really good. I have a half unit on the under. I'm playing half units on a lot of these totals um, just because scoring in the NFL has been a little wonky this year. It's been very, very down from expectations. Um, and I think we're in for some just transition and regression. So I'm rather playing spreads than totals because I don't think the totals market as is as sharp as it's 
going to end up being. I find the spread market to be sharper right now. More variance in the totals. I'll reduce my exposure in a variant market. The Atlanta Falcons have one thing or a few things in common with the Saints. Besides playing in the same division, besides being loaded up in my futures portfolio, they are a team that I can't quit and I seem to back every single week. They opened at a plus 2.5. I grabbed it immediately, as Gibby would say. Immediate is a, is a very Gibby expression. Um, I grabbed the plus 2.5. Then we got the beautiful, beautiful news that the Saints, I mean, the Titans traded their best safety, that they're considering trading Derrick Henry. So I think he's going to have a reduced snap count this week. And that Ryan Tannehill was still going to be missing. So I actually placed this bet right when the lines reposted because I very much assumed Tannehill was going to be out. There was early reports that he was going to miss week eight, even before week seven happened. It was going to be a two-week injury. So I knew even though it wasn't confirmed, even though we haven't gotten practice reports, I was likely on the, the side of a positive injury news break to my to my betting angle, and therefore I was willing to do it. We also have a total of 35. 35 is the lowest total I've seen all NFL season. And I don't even think we're getting crazy weather here. Let me quickly check that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is a weather spot. Uh, no, I'm 40% chance of rain. So even less than the Patriots-Dolphins one. So yeah, it could be. But 35 in a total? I mean, normally you wouldn't get that if it was like a 100% torrential downpour situation. But these teams are just run the ball so much. Shout out Arthur Smith in his revenge game. Uh, these teams run the ball so much, the clock just might be ticking. It might actually just burn two seconds for every second. This clock might go twice as fast. Um, I have them. So because it's a 35, because I saw such a low total, I did the same thing I did with the Saints. I teased them. I had 2.5. I played that on its own for three quarters of a unit. And I put it in a teaser for another three quarters of a unit. Now, what I tease these games with is not together. I did not tease the Falcons and the Saints. Why didn't I tease the Falcons and the Saints? Why not? It's the Jeopardy music with me bad at singing. The reason why I did not put them together is because they are happening at the same time. And there is a trick in identifying which teasers to pair together in that if you can't make the decision on their own because of the value that you see, then choose the ones that happen at different times. Now, I tweeted earlier this week, there were nine games that presented strong T Stanford Wong teaser legs and fit the teaser criteria that we look for as holding value. So when I had two of them that I really liked and both happening in the 1 p.m. slots, I was not pairing those together. We will get to what I paired them together with. They are both paired with the exact same leg that happens much later in the week. Um, okay. On to the next game that I have a best bet on is the Panthers plus three. Now, this one, I just don't understand the movement. I don't understand the splits, but I know I kind of love my betting angle. I'm on Panthers plus three for three another three quarters of a unit. Splits showing 26% of the bets put 82% of the money 
on the Panther side. Let me repeat that. 26% of the bets, but 82% of the money is on the Carolina Panthers against the spread. Carolina Panthers are getting three points, now three and a half at home. It is the battle of the Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud rookie race. We play into getting that super key number of the Panthers, having damn near four times the value on the bet ticket than the other Texans side does. Texans is clearly the public angle, getting smacked from the C.J. Stroud lovers. However, I don't know why the line went to 3.5. So that one, I have no no clue why it's moving against me. There must be someone who's really sharp starting to play this the other way and setting off an alert at one of these casinos. This The line movement makes no sense to me. I, I honestly can't really explain it. But I know I actually still love my Panthers position. Uh, one guy that I reference on here quite often is Michael Lombardi. He was the former general manager, like the pseudo GM because Bill Belichick is the coach slash GM. He was like the president of football operations during the Brady Belichick uh, New England era. Now Lombardi works for DraftKings and hosts his own podcast called the GM shuffle. He's also an author. He's all over the place because the guy works so hard and he's got so many amazing quotes like uh, evaluate the evaluator and have a, a playing into analytics in the right way and what the flaws of those things are. So I'm a huge Michael Lombardi football fan. And I heard him say that this spread should be at plus one and that he thought the Panthers were getting way too many points and this line made no sense to him. So in conjunction with my splits to have someone that I football opinion, I respect so much chime in on that made me feel more confident. I, I just don't know why it's at the plus three and a half. So that has me fucking dumbfounded. If you're seeing it right now, and you know I have three quarters of a unit on the plus three, and you haven't bet this at all, and it's at plus three and a half, and you're getting an even better number, I would play it even bigger. That's how confident I feel about it. We also have a rookie coach in uh, D'Amico Ryans on the Texan side, and a veteran coach in Frank Wright on the Panther side. And now you might be saying, well, D'Amico's proven himself to be a great coach, and Frank Reich is looking pretty fucking horrible right now. The, the, the theme with Frank Reich teams is that they start doing a lot better after their bye week and starting in the midseason. So that is now for the, the Panthers. They're coming off their bye. Uh, they should be well-rested. They should be healthier. Uh, we'll see if Miles Sanders is back. But for all of those reasons, I think it's safe to play the Carolina Panthers. And I'm honestly not sweating the line movement because at least I still have the plus three. Um, okay. The last two that are worth talking about are the Bengals that I grabbed at plus six. It is now down to plus four, given the fact that Sam Darnold is likely going to start over Brock Purdy. Now, I personally have not figured out my stance on where I feel about the Darnold versus Purdy thing. I historically was like, they're probably pretty interchangeable. This season has gotten me more to come around to Purdy's actually that guy. He's really good. And so it's not just going to be an instant replacement. We also have the left tackle, Trent Williams, banged up. We have Debo as out. We have Christian McCaffrey as uh, playing, but maybe playing a little bit hurt. And then we have this Bengals team that should be desperate 
This Bengals team has 14 days rest coming off their bye, and they're playing against a 49ers team that has six days rest because they played on the Monday night football game. So there's a plus eight-day rest advantage here for the Bengals. That is massive. They have the desperation angle. They have the health angle and so much more. So I'm probably just going to let this Bengals plus six ride. I'm actually probably okay with grabbing Bengals plus four and thinking that this game should be closer to the three. Uh, We've seen it get down to three and a half and then bounce back up to four. Not too sure what that is. If that's just some buybacks from the people who had Bengals plus six, it probably is. People probably saw it move to 3.5 paid for the hook to get onto the three and then opened up some middle spot through some great key numbers. Now it's back at four. I'm actually still okay with playing the Bengals side of this line like the Bengals in the spot. And I probably not going to buy off or buy back at all. Uh, Bears chargers, another teaser spot, but I'm not playing it. It's Sunday night. And we finally get to what fills in my teaser leg is the Detroit Lions minus 7.5 bringing those brand new Lions down to a minus 1.5, another Stanford Wong teaser leg, and playing them against the Raiders. The Lions are a dominant home team. We know they are getting healthier. We'll see if Monty Man's back this week. We know the Raiders are still looking like they might be missing Jimmy G. He might come back. Jimmy G's been pretty bad this season. I'm generally a Jimmy G supporter, but he's throwing the most interceptions per game in the NFL. The Detroit Lions defense looks really good. Their offense is humming. And so if I could bring this team down, that's coming off of a crushing loss and then get them in a bounce back home spot to re-energize this Lions one pride, then I'll do it. And I did it. And I got 1.5 units on this bad boy because they are the completing leg to the teaser for both the Saints and the Falcons. So I'm Saints plus seven and a half, Lions minus one and a half, Falcons plus eight and a half, Lions minus one and a half. 1.5 units on the Lions minus 1.5 in a teaser. I still recommend teasing this if you could find it at a 7.5 or eight and bring it down or 8.5 as long as it fits. Stanford Wong teaser criteria. I am okay with it. I really like this Lions team. I'm very interested in fading this Raiders team. I love that it takes place on the Monday night because the reason why you have value by splitting up the timing of your teaser legs is the following, and then I'll sign the fuck out of here. Your teaser legs that fit Stanford Wong criteria, assuming that you're paying minus 110 for those given lines, and then pairing two six-point teasers together, and then accepting a minus 120 VIG, or pairing three six-point leg teasers and getting a plus 160. Let me say that one more time. Take two minus 110 lines. That fits Stanford Wong criteria. That means you're moving through the three and through the seven in the teaser and nothing else. You're either going 1.5 to 7.5, 2.5 to 8.5, or vice versa. You're moving through the three and the seven in any situation. Then you add in the, the factor of if that line carries value, minus 110 paired together, two of them making a minus 120 teaser or three of them making a plus 160 teaser, 
those individual lines, if that's the value you're paying and the and the end result that you're receiving, then those lines on their own contain positive expected value plus EV. Every fucking nerd gambling gets their heart on over plus EV. Well, this is how you actually do it. You grab the right legs, you move them through the right numbers, and then you take it one step further and you say, if I have two legs that are both plus EV, then why do I need to split up the timing? Because variance happens, which comes full circle to the beginning of the episode, variance happens and you might happen to lose one of the legs while there's more legs on the board that still present value. So if you lose your Falcons plus 8.5 ticket and your Saints one wins, then you lose that bet. However, if you have them paired at different times, then you could then put your next leg into something else again. You could then take your, if your Saints Lion, if your Falcons Lions teaser ends and you know your Lions line holds value, sorry, I said it wrong. You could then take your Lions line and that's not a wasted value because it's paired with something that already lost. It presents value still because you could pair it with something else. So the ability to rebet into a spot if an early teaser leg loses is the reason why you split up your timing of teasers. That should kind of be pretty simple. Uh, you should be able to rebet something if it has value. That's the whole point. If the bet contains value, if you've identified it, you don't want to lose the chance to bet it or bet it again if something else happens before it. If things are happening simultaneously, you simply have less flexibility in the market. Okay, that wraps up our week eight NFL plays. Patriots plus 10, the under 47. Steelers, Jaguars over 41 and a half, but man, not feeling too good about that one. Saints plus 1.5. Saints under 42.5. Saints plus 7.5 in a teaser, Falcons plus 2.5, Falcons plus 8.5 in a teaser, Panthers plus 3, Bengals plus 6, and Lions minus 7.5 brought down to minus 1.5 in both of my teasers. Remember to follow me on Twitter at FiddlesPicks. Remember that the content schedule is changing for next week. We will get an NBA show on Tuesday, a full slate breakdown on Thursday a core four DFS show on Saturday, and we will be sprinkling in some fantasy basketball streaming shows as well. Follow the at fiddle picks, substack, fiddlepicks.substack.com, And I'll send you all the links. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you tomorrow on the DFS side. Peace out.